In a world filled with uncertainty, we are all trying to get physically, mentally, and emotionally healthy. But the struggle is real. The Live Well Podcast exists to give you fun, relevant, and impactful strategies that will help you get healthy, stay healthy, and live well. Hosted by Dr. Mike Roncesvalli, a clinical psychologist with two decades of experience in the field and his Live Well crew. We promise the time you spend listening to the Live Well podcast will help you thrive like you never have before. And welcome to the Live Well podcast. We are glad you guys are with us. Trevor. Yeah, it's great to be here today. What's happening, man? Part of the Live Well team. You ready for this? I sure am. Looking forward to today. Alana Sadu. Alana the Great. Hello, hello. Megan. Hi. (laughs) You guys are the best team. So this wh- is awesome. What do we have to do to get a title like The Great? I know. Like, why, you call her four names and you... She gets a first one, name and a last name. Syllables. And she gets hey. The Great. Alana has worked Alana, hard. Alana, you are awesome. I did. So her you Instagram awesome. name is Alana The Great. It's yeah, true. Yeah, so I do that. That's true. Follow That's me right. on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> at Alana The Great. Yeah. So you're going to blow up now. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, Instagram. yeah. You're going to get so many crazy. <laughs> so listen, we're glad you guys are with us listening to this mayhem. Uh, we've got an awesome, awesome show for you today. We're talking about something that's actually really near and dear to my heart, actually. Uh, we want to talk to you today about food addictions and eating disorders. It is something that is a significant problem in people's lives. So mm-hmm. as clinicians, um, we're just happy to be able to give you some information today about you know, how do you know if you have an eating disorder? Uh, what do you do if you think you have an eating disorder? What do you do if someone you love has an eating disorder? Yeah. And we hope to be able to give you all that information and that you can leave this podcast with real strategies, real techniques that help you live a better life. So um, that's our goal. We're doing this on purpose. I mean, it's not by accident that we're doing it today. I want to make sure I get this right. I'm going to pull out my phone here. Um, this week... February, starting February 22nd, is National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. So you're probably going to hear a lot of people talking about this, thinking about it this week, and uh, we hope that this is one of your go-to resources for all that information. So having said that, guys, uh, let's let's get this show on the road. I'll start with a a quick question. Mm -hmm. Why is this such a problem? In, in mm. your opinion, uh, clinically, why do you think people have such an issue with, with eating? Well, there's a big dieting yeah. stream out there of all these different diets and how you're supposed to look and feel. And, and I mean, I have opinions about this. I don't know if they're right <laughs> or wrong, but I think it's, it gets worse, you know, as... It gets worse with more um, social media exposure Mm -hmm. and um, reality TV shows and, um, you know, ideas and and concepts of like what what a woman's or a man's body should look like and feel like and be like and body image and shaming and, and, you know, eating this, an eating disorder. Um, I was listening to something over the weekend and the question was, is an eating disorder a, a social, a biological or a psychological issue? Like which one do you guys think it is? Say that again, biological, social or psychological. Psychological. What did I just say? 
Um, <laughs> you were close. <laughs> you were super close. The, whole, the full word didn't come out of my mouth. So if there is, I mean, right away, immediately, you know, you're looking for not A, B, C, but you're looking for D, which is all of the above. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. going to say it can't just be one. Yeah. It's got to be all of them. Yeah. And that's, I think I read that actually over the weekend. So. Yeah. And, and, and it is. And um, part of the problem with eating disorders is that a huge chunk of the world thinks it's just a biological problem Mm -hmm. and it's most certainly not just that it's a very complex multi-layered problem that often comes with a co-occurring disorder like anxiety depression um, suicidality low self-esteem ptsd Um, so we want to bring some awareness to that um, to you guys listening and and looking today um, about eating disorders and um, and just what that means so one thing that I'm seeing in the clinical office that I find fascinating is over the years, I've started to see much more, many more males yeah. Yeah. that struggle with eating disorders, where I feel like when I first started in this field, it was kind of like a, it was a stereotype, but it's sort yes. of like, well, this is a female thing, right? For this sure. is a hundred percent not yeah. the case anymore. Huge stereotype. And I don't yeah. know what, I, maybe it is social media. Maybe it's that we have so much access to other people and these perfect images that that they project uh, on Instagram, you know, is an Instagram worthy photo. It, right. That I guess is it's meaningful, right? I mean, it does have an impact on who we are and, and how we do life together culturally. So, mm-hmm. uh, guys are are struggling pretty yes. bad. That's right. Yeah, and there's actually eight. I think eight different kinds eight different kinds of, of eating, eating disorders. disorders. Yeah, and yeah. I did not write them all down. I thought that I did, but I didn't. But we usually only talk about, you know, the main ones, the mm-hmm. anorexia, bulimia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we often talk about the ones where we're, we're under eating, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. the lack of nutrition and the mm-hmm. relationship we have with food in that direction. Right. Uh, but there is the other side of it as well. Yeah. Overeating mm-hmm. disorders for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like it, the question that pops up in my head as we as we talk about these things is, you know, why? Why? Not you, just you, Megan, but like, why doesn't the world know about all eight eating disorders? And why, you know, why isn't it talked about? And there's this huge, huge barrier of shame um, yeah. in eating disorders. I mean, and there are with, I think, any mental illness. But gosh, with eating disorders especially, there's so much shame. And I think um, as we go through the podcast today and we talk about, you know, some strategies and what we can do um, to help ourselves and help others that are struggling, I think we, we do need to talk about shame at some point. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, my opinion on that, Alana, would be that this, the negative emotion mm-hmm. that people experience mm-hmm. with an eating disorder is actually not only one of the causes mm-hmm. of the eating disorder, but it's actually one of the things that maintains right. the eating disorder because it, it essentially is an addiction. Right. I mean, your mm-hmm. brain looks very similar mm-hmm. in an eating disorder than it does uh, with an addiction to drugs or alcohol Absolutely. or gambling or pornography or sex or whatever. Right. So mm-hmm. that shame cycle that that breeds the the desire to just get away from the emotion is medicated pretty easily right with that control over right. food mm-hmm. um which ultimately creates more negative emotion so we'll talk more about that yeah, yeah, sure. going forward so yeah and so uh, talking about you know the men and women struggling i want to share this statistic with everyone and the stat is that at least 30 million individuals of all ages and genders just in the U.S. alone are diagnosed with an eating disorder. Wow. 
So that's 8% of the population. And that's 8% of the population that are reporting this Mm -hmm. eating disorder, right? right? Um, And that's 20 million women and 10 million men just in the U.S. Obviously, people in every country are struggling with eating disorders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mike, as you said, there's a lot more men than Mm -hmm. maybe we think there are. are So just to hear one-third of... Mm-hmm. Those reporting are, are men. men. That's significant. Absolutely. And the and the the stats kind of crazy when yeah. you think about it. There's 350 million people in the U.S. Right. We've got like 30 million eight yeah. percent that meet the criteria for an mm-hmm. eating disorder. Right. That's that's a huge problem. Yeah. I mean, put your go go to the mall this afternoon, right. and for every hundred people mm-hmm. that you pass, eight right. or eight ten them. are going to have a diagnosable eating disorder right that's wild and not all of them are going to be what you would expect to see either sorry um you know people who have who have clinically been diagnosed with anorexia don't necessarily have to be under a certain weight right that's right and and sometimes their insurance doesn't pay for it mm-hmm. because they're not diagnosable mm-hmm. actually for only, the dsm yeah mm-hmm. and actually only one in ten people that struggle with an eating disorder will receive treatment in their lifetime. Mm, wow. Yet, Alana, give me, give me the quote that we were talking about before we started recruiting. It's one of the, the most deadly yes. mental health disorders. Yes. Eating disorders have the highest mortality rate than any other mental illness out there. Wow. Insane. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. More than depression, more than PTSD. Yes. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah, um, and and Trevor, I know you were you were talking about some things right before the podcast yeah. about what you know how you've seen that. That's right. Yeah, in my um, my years of pastoral ministry, I've I've had the unfortunate opportunity to to walk families through and, and do memorial services uh, specifically for people who have passed from an eating disorder. It's tragic. That's. That's wild, man. So yeah. you've actually you've walked through the 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 process of just dealing with the yeah. grief That's and right. pain. Of yeah, that. the incredible amount of, of shame mm-hmm. and yeah. guilt that these families are faced with yeah. at the loss of a loved one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were saying that they when you walk with them through it that they experienced a lot of guilt. I wish right. they could have done something mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. or been there more or been even aware. Sometimes right. they just don't know because it's such a secretive thing that people hold on to and they're very lonely that's right um i heard a woman talking about losing somebody and she the same way and she felt a lot of guilt about not being her friend because she suffered from her own eating disorder and was hiding it from everybody so she wasn't able to be present in anyone's lives yeah so it is a very lonely yeah isolating disorder um mental health issue to have I don't, I think it's because so much of it is kind of attached to our sense of self, yes. you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's your, it's your body, mm-hmm. right? And then you're, you're your looking body image and you're in control of it. Look at all the images, right? Look at, look at Instagram. And I, I just saw the big, it's a big article last week with Kylie, um, Jenner. Yeah. Kirk, yeah. Mm-hmm. Jenner, Kylie yeah. Jenner. And they were, you know, it was big argument on on uh Twitter or whatever whether or not she had doctored her photos, you know, like she's uh-huh. she, what do they call it? Photoshopped. Photoshop. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so you're looking at stuff that's not even it's not even possible 
in real life, mm-hmm. right? right? Yet we yeah. feel like I'm not that. Right. And right. so because I'm not that, all that shame just starts to come yeah. and drill down into our psyche. And before mm-hmm. we know it, we're living mm-hmm. and breathing this this insatiable desire to to meet certain standards. And I know people that I work with in, in eating disorders, like they're super attached to the compulsive part of it, right? right. Like they like right. numbers, like how... How many calories am I going to eat? Mm-hmm. What is the mm-hmm. number on the scale? What it, you know, mm-hmm. and those numbers can become obsessive. You know, right. so now we're attaching our sense of worth and value to, to something number. to a number, like something that's a hundred percent removed from who I am, my character, my integrity, that's right. um, my sense of personhood. Yeah, and even the excessive side of it, you know, where exercise, as an example, right. is is healthy. Right. right. But the excessive amount of a good thing, mm-hmm. if a healthy thing has become unhealthy. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that everything you guys are saying is kind of what makes eating disorders this complex, multi-layered disease, this multi-layered illness that is social and, and psychological and biological. And, um, you know, it, it, which makes it difficult to treat, makes it really, really difficult to treat. Well, it's hard. So I find when I work with someone that has an eating disorder that the, the the most difficult piece is you have to eat, right? right? Like you have to, like you have to eat to live. Right. So any other addiction that I'm treating, right. you know, you want to get rid of, yeah, you want to yeah. remove, remove it. You yeah. can, you right. don't have to, to do cocaine to live, right? Yeah. You can right. live without right. cocaine. You can yep. live without alcohol. You can live without porn. You get, there's lots of things you can live without. Food's not one of them. No. So it's this weird thing that yeah. you get this substance that has been totally controlling me. I have to engage it in some healthy way, yeah. which makes it a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you think about the relationship between our gut and our, our brain, um, I I think it's 90%, but 90%, I could be wrong, a little off, of our serotonin comes from our gut Mm -hmm. and is released into our body. So think about if you are malnourished and you're not feeding your Mm -hmm. body nutrients and healthy whatever it is, you're not going to be happy. You're going to be depressed and then it's going to lead into other things. And Mm -hmm. So I read something really fascinating about that because, so think about this. Mm -hmm. You literally can't live without broccoli or chicken or, uh, you know, Brussels sprouts, like there's like regular food, right? You, yep. you, but can you okay. live without high fat, high sugar processed foods? Like that's an interesting distinction there because mm-hmm. some people, sure. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. yes, I can live without this <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe I won't. Do be, you want to? I might want be to. a little grumpy in the morning, right. but yeah. so again, a lot of just get, it goes back to this complicated nature yeah. of what's happening in our brain and mm-hmm. in our body. And how that all that interplays. Tell us about like some of the the processes that are unfolding neurologically. Yeah. yeah so um, actually, and I'm and I've brought up uh, functional MRIs before because you know you guys oh, yeah. know I like to yeah. see what I'm talking about and and actually have like concrete evidence um, in terms of relating to like emotional and mental illnesses. So um, if you look at a functional MRI of an individual who um, has never struggled with an eating disorder um, while they're eating, and you look at a functional MRI of a person that has been diagnosed with anorexia nervosa as they're eating, it looks completely different. And so the individual that is 
eating that doesn't have anorexia nervosa, you actually see their pleasure center light up. Like dopamine levels are, their dopamine levels are high um, because if they're hungry um, or if the food tastes good, there's a satisfaction level there. You know, it's pleasurable. It's like, okay, I'm not hungry anymore. I feel satisfied. This food is delicious. And so you can actually see that on the fMRI. Now, if you look at the fMRI of a person eating that struggles with anorexia, literally nothing happens. Wow. Nothing. It's blank. Yeah. And that just goes to show you that it it's not the food is the problem. It's not related to the food. It's related to some underlying trauma or issue yeah. that's going on or mental illness. Mm-hmm. It's not directly related to the right. food. The food is their coping mechanism. It's mm-hmm. how they're dealing with what's going on underneath the surface. And and to add to that, you know, eating disorders are just that. They're they're people that have a complicated relationship with food, exercise, and body image. And I don't mm-hmm. mean to simplify it, but essentially it, it's this multi-layered complex illness that incorporates all of that. Yeah. I just, I think what we're talking about with the neurology of it mm-hmm. is, is complicated too, because yeah. I, I think there's different. So what you just described is what happens in the brain of an individual that is restricting, right? So it, or, or binging and purging, they have some sort of anxiety attached to food. So for them, they're so far into that process that food no longer releases the The, the feel good chemical, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Like your pleasure is not happening, but people that have more of like that compulsive eating going on or what I start, I'm starting to call it like food addiction. There's no food addiction in the DSM Mm five, but um, man, it sure, it should, it should, should be. be. Yeah. yeah. And so a food addiction where you just, you have a very difficult time just drawing boundaries with food, with food. And, and you're yeah. overeating and compulsively eating those people. It's it, going to, it it's going to light up like a Christmas tree. Blows yeah. Up yeah. Dopamine yeah, sure. in the For right. sure. Absolutely. And you know, I, I heard a weird analogy this weekend about eating disorder versus disordered eating. Have you guys? Yes. Okay. Yes. Heard that. Yeah. Have you? Tell me about it. So <laughs> I don't know. That, I don't think I've heard. So this. an eating disorder is someone who uses eating or lack of as mm-hmm. a coping mechanism, mm-hmm. right? A disordered eater is someone who just doesn't. They're not aware. They're just oblivious to food as it is. Like they just don't care, and they can actually trigger a person with an eating disorder. So say, say if I. I'm going, going, going all day and I just forget to eat and I'm not listening to my body, like the growling stomach and all that stuff. And I'm, because I'm so busy and not focused on eating, that's a disordered eater kind of thing. Um, but they are a person who, if they're in a pers- if they're in someone's life who is living with an eating disorder, they're going to trigger them because they don't have the social awareness right. or the body awareness mm-hmm. to yep. have this problem. So they can be very triggering. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. which can which break that point of the the behavior essentially is what you're talking about. Yeah, I think brings us to the point of what can we do about it? Right. Like, what can we start doing about it? And I think it starts with awareness. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to explain that. What can we do? about it what can we meaning what can we do if we feel like we have a problem with an eating disorder or not necessarily just so 
I think, you know, um, just for argument's sake, we can say eating disorders are a problem. Mm. It's a problem out yeah, there, I'm right? Yeah. <laughs> and you can you can learn what to look for if yeah, or how you might be triggering. Yeah. Right. And so what Megan was talking about was you know disordered eating behaviors amongst the general population versus eating disorders that you know people are clinically struggling with. And so when we start talking about well, what can we do about this massive problem out there? I think it starts with us. It starts with awareness. First of all, you know, it is National Eating Disorders Awareness Week. Right. And I think um, there's something we can do about that, right? So it's such this pervasive problem that has a high mortality rate. And so even if we personally don't feel like we're struggling with an eating disorder, you know, what you said is, I mean, one in eight, Americans are struggling with mm. an eating disorder, statistically speaking. So uh, what we can do about that, maybe it starts with awareness of our eating behaviors. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Or even inviting somebody to lunch and that, that you never know. Like they could be like, uh, where are we going? What time? And they have to plan it out yes. because they need to know if there's something that they can eat. If, there, if there's time to run to the rush, you know, mm -hmm. it gives them great anxiety. So just yeah. to kind of have a little bit of an idea of that and what that might look like in somebody. So essentially you guys are talking about just allowing ourselves to talk about it. Yes. To, mm -hmm. to, to be honest with ourselves about the reality that it, it does exist. It's yeah. real. That's right. And doing everything we can do to reduce the stigma surrounding exactly. it. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I think there's a big time stigma. stigma. Like it's just, it's, it's private. It's like, it's like, yeah. I don't want anyone to see this or know this. And if we can, free people up to just start talking. Yeah. They're going to get better. For That's sure. Right. And um I think, you know, the other statistic that like I could not get over is that only 1 in 10 people who are struggling with an eating disorder will receive treatment in their lifetime and I, you know, again like I start thinking about why? What are the barriers? Mm -hmm. And you know, yes, shame comes up a lot. Um and stigma comes up a lot and insurance yeah financial issues money um and and i think you know we have to kind of like look at the controllables right like what can we do about mm. the barriers that we see like stigma so we can talk about it how do we how do we crush the stigma we crush the stigma by doing something like this and talking about it yeah, and bringing right. it to light shedding light on it yeah. things grow in darkness things like fester in the darkness and things you know become i think more visible and and um i think recovery seems possible for people when it's brought to light mm -hmm. when people mm -hmm. are talking about it absolutely yeah. yeah and you don't and if if there is somebody who's living with mental or not mental illness with um an eating disorder you don't want to wait you know, you yeah. don't want to wait until mm -hmm. if you're a woman, your period stops or if you go under your your um, average weight mm -hmm. for your body, you don't want to wait until it's too late. You right. want to mm -hmm. you want to go get help. You want to talk to somebody about it yeah. before yeah. it gets dangerous. And I go ahead, Trev. I was just say as part of that awareness, it may just be helpful for us to to identify what are some of those signs and, and mm -hmm. some of those symptoms. Yeah. What are those things, whether we we 
um, can be looking in our own behaviors and our own patterns, um, or again with those we love, our friends and our, our family. In fact, I'll, I'll share an example. I remember uh, walking an individual um, through who said, hey, I think I have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And one of their patterns was is they would always eat in private, mm-hmm. rarely in public, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So they would go to a party or they would go to dinner and they wouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. And then they would, if they were going to eat, they would eat privately Alone. afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and for them, it was this uh, shame associated to they were either eating very little mm-hmm. um, or they were eating excessively. Right. right. And so if you pick up on somebody who is is showing those patterns, mm-hmm. you have been out with this friend three yeah. or four times and you're like, I don't think I've ever seen that, them eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and there was food around. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So just to so, kind of keep that in mind and maybe have a conversation with them. Right. So what are some of the other signs yeah. we can be looking for? So some other signs are, um, and I'll just kind of read from... Um, a website that we'll share with you guys um, is folks that have uh, a worry or a preoccupation with their body or their weight, um, individuals that limit the amount or types of food that they're eating, mm. um, the emotions that come with eating, so guilt and anxiety are, are big ones, uh, that either come with eating or that that kind of show up after just yeah surrounding food in mm-hmm. general maybe i think any negative emotion associated with food or eating is probably a, yeah. an indicator that something and there's, might be wrong there's also one that's one of the one arfid i can't think of the um yeah. the full name for it but it's it's an eating disorder where oh. it could be texture or something where they're yeah. they just don't like a lot of foods or they eat a very small amount because they feel full or and it's not really based on self-image per se, Mm -hmm. it's just about the food. That is actually Mm -hmm. about the food, maybe the tactileness of it. Um, And that's... um, And that's something to look forward to, or look for. And ARFID is uh, avoidant or restrictive food specified eating disorder. Yes. And so that that points out how complicated this is because that process is really different than someone that's struggling with bulimia bulimia or Mm -hmm. anorexia. We can't talk today. (laughs) (laughs) We're having a hard time, but hey, this is good. Um, Because that's very compulsive. Like that's, that's, that's the OCD part of an eating disorder. That's Mm -hmm. just gone crazy. Mm -hmm. Right. So for them, it's not, they're not probably not even counting calories. They're not restricting, uh, you know, the, the amount of, of, carbs or sugar that they no. eat mm-hmm. they're literally just it has to feel it's about right sensor. it has it's to sensory feel related. right it has yeah. to be just yeah. right that's right so what about the person who's chasing the the diet fad one after mm-hmm. another after another after another get off social media and stop comparing <laughs> yourself to other people yeah. yeah i'm social media is i hate to say it it's good for so many things because it brings about these conversations and it connects you to resources but it can also be a bit damaging um, when it comes to comparison. My favorite quote, comparison is the thief of joy. So I, th- I think if, that, if that's you, like if you're one of the people that are chasing these diets and, mm-hmm. and looking at, you know, am I going to do keto? Am I going to do Atkins? Am I going to do South Beach? These are all, those are old yeah. diets, aren't they? I don't even know the <laughs> well, new no, ones. like a but, lot of them are, you're, you're doing good. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> one question to ask yourself is, okay, how much does this issue interfere 
with my everyday life? Mm-hmm. And that's always a great question for people to ask yeah. Yeah. with any kind of mental health like issue. Is it consuming? Yes. Is it consuming? And does it keep me from living your life? Like, like, the, like your best life. Yeah. yeah. Because that's, that's one of the diagnostic criteria in right? the DSM for all mm-hmm. of these disorders. Yeah. If I count calories and it's not incredibly distressing and it's not uh, causing issues in my relationships yeah. and I can go out to eat at mm-hmm. like normal restaurants and like have a life, I don't have an eating disorder, mm-hmm. right? right. The, the issue right. is if these symptoms begin to interfere with my sense daily of self, my yeah. daily functioning, mm-hmm. my ability to do, you know, yeah. things and fulfill roles that I, I live in every day. Mm-hmm. And maximize joy. You want to bring yeah. joy into your life and have human experiences and contact and, and this would limit that. So I do want to say um, for um, for anyone that struggles with an eating disorder or if you know anyone that struggles with an eating disorder, um, on top of reducing the stigma and talking about it and um, and just, you know, kind of walking with someone, um, professional help is also super important. Eating disorders, just like many other severe mental illnesses, are not ones that should be taken lightly or that I just don't want people who are struggling to think that they have to go through this alone. So I I have a story about that. It just happened literally the last hour I was sitting with someone um, who, you know, sometimes you'll, I'll I'll find out that clients know each other, you know, so you're sitting in the office and you're like, "Uh, you know, you can kind of tell, (laughs) or they'll talk and you know, they're, they're friends like, Oh, I see this guy. I do too. Right. So this person walks in and whenever this happens and they start talking about another patient, my role is always to like play it like as calm as possible. Yeah. Right. Because you your it, poker face. Yeah. Because yeah. I can't even release that I, the other person is a client. Right. I right. can't confirm or deny. Right. Um, so this client comes in last hour and says, uh, hey, I've got a person that one of my friends is in your your program for an eating disorder. And I'm like, <laughs> just like. Just like stone cold face, right? Like, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> and, she's, and she says, I know you can't say anything, but I'm going to tell you this because you need to know this. She said, wow, this, she's been in this many, this many programs or whatever. And I want you to know that she's doing better than she's ever done in Aww. any program. And I thought to myself, wow. okay, this is a great indication mm-hmm. that the the treatment for eating disorders has to be tailor made yes. to an individual's mm-hmm. oh, 100%. felt need, right? Absolutely. So when you've got eight DSM diagnoses, yeah. you wow. can't approach this though just in this cookie cutter style. approach, right? Yeah, it's not so one thing it's not that one size fits all, it's no, just not. Yeah. So when you're talking about professional help, Alana, I think that the biggest thing that people need to ask themselves when mm-hmm. they're pursuing mm-hmm. clinic mm-hmm. work or you know counseling or some sort of program is are these people going to listen to how this eating disorder plays out in my life? Right. And can they address my needs and have a treatment plan that literally will walk me through a process that will help me one day get freedom? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, sorry. I just got excited about that yeah. last yeah. hour. No, so. that's, that's great. That's amazing. That is really good news. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what do we what do we want to say in closing about eating disorders? Um, what would we tell someone or a family member of someone who's mm-hmm. who's struggling with an eating disorder? What what do we what do you have to do to to get that freedom? We need to communicate hope, I think, to people that are struggling because I think for a lot of people, especially with eating disorders, 
because of the stigma, because of shame, because of barriers, a lot of people who are struggling, I think are lacking hope. They Mm. don't feel like hope is possible. So if again, like we're looking at controllables and we're like, okay, what can we do about this massive problem? I think it, it's, you know, not just awareness and talking about it, but it's communicating hope and telling people you can get better. You deserve to get better. You deserve recovery. Like picture what your life would be like if, you know, if you can experience freedom from this mental illness. Yeah. I think what a great start. Yeah. And right. yeah, that beautifully said. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Alana, earlier you, uh, when we started, you, you posed the question, right? Mm-hmm. Is a, an eating disorder, is it uh, social physiological or sociological Mm -hmm. and we concluded that it's it's all of the above right Right. so even as you are that person or you walk alongside that person Mm -hmm. right that you need to approach this from all three right a a wraparound full contextual understanding of what this is and then if you uh, if you have a a care plan that you're mindful Mm -hmm. um, in all three of those areas yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and I just want to I want to encourage people if you're listening today You've got to have people around you that are going to encourage mm-hmm. recovery mm-hmm. And, and support. Right. Um, you need people in your life that are going to push you to go to treatment. Mm-hmm. If you're a family member of someone that has an eating disorder, you've got to encourage them right. to get in treatment. Because this is, this is so complicated that the idea that you're just going to magically wake up one day and find freedom is not, it's right. not very realistic. Mm-hmm. Right. So we can help you with that. I mean, we want to start there. Right. Even if, if you're not anywhere near uh, central Florida, which is where our offices are, um, we'll help you find a treatment center. Yes. Um, so if, if you want to reach Absolutely. out to us, three, two, one, two, five, nine, one, six, six, two is our phone number. Uh, call us and we'll help you understand like what a path looks like to get freedom from an eating disorder. Um, We also want to tell you that we have an app that is geared specifically to help people that are struggling with depression, anxiety, stress. It's not a a therapy app. It's not someplace where you're going to get psychotherapy. We call it live well coaching because the whole idea of the app is that we, we connect you with a real person on the other end of that technology that is giving you accountability, encouragement, affirmation. And in this situation, like if you're, if you have an eating disorder, you want someone that's just going to walk with you through mm-hmm. the process, you know, as you go get your treatment and as you go to counseling and, and individual therapy, your, your coach from live well coaching will be that resource that, that trusted friend that will help you minute by minute, moment by moment available seven days a week, just mm-hmm. to speak into your life. You need hope. I want you to know that we recognize that if you're dealing with an eating disorder right now, you need some hope. Mm -hmm. And so we want to help you connect with people and information that's going to do just that. If you'd like to talk to us more about that, don't hesitate to go to our website, 32, I'm sorry, our website is (laughs) livewell-coaching.com, livewell-coaching.com. The phone number is 321-259-1662. You can reach us there as well. And uh, we're just glad that you guys gave us an opportunity to talk about this today and uh, to hopefully speak some good information into your life Mm -hmm. that you can go out and uh, be a part of the solution. So we appreciate it, Um, guys. And uh, and if you or anyone you know um, might be in recovery from an eating disorder, um, please post on our comment section some things that have helped you or have given you hope. We would love to hear from you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
Guys, thanks yeah. so thanks much. Thanks so we much for great. listening. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day.